Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Okay, welcome back, my Safe Space friends. Today I have Stephanie Moyer from The Conjuring Moon with me. Hi, Stephanie. Hello, Cheyenne. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad we finally got to sit down and talk about all the fun things we're about to unravel. Yes, absolutely. I am so excited to be here. Just thank you so much for providing this space. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool what you're doing. So let's get to it. I really appreciate that. So um, starting off, can you, before we like go back in time and talk about you before The Conjuring Moon, can you just describe to anybody listening what The Conjuring Moon is? So The Conjuring Moon is a full moon subscription box service. Uh, that means it does follow the full moon cycle. So the full moon is really about kind of um, healing and letting go of certain things so you can move forward in a nutshell. And the box is curated to help individuals to do just that. So it is full of ritual meditation supplies. Um, and every month, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, so they kind of like, so what I want to use, uh, follow each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with the lunar eclipse coming up next week, what are some of the ingredients or what are you doing for your eclipse ritual to help the energies work with you in your new manifestations? So, first, I like to incorporate the crystals uh, with the full moon. So, with this one, you know, it is a lot of protection because with this, with the, uh, the solar eclipse, can bring about some chaos and change, you know. Um, so, first off, I do like the black obsidian. Um, I am going to use that. That's going to help me keep grounded. Um, my I have rough labradorite that I absolutely just love, and I use that to like help heighten my intuition and clear any blockage, you know, my third chakra. Um, so that kind of stuff. Also, my labradorite um, that helps keep like negative and dark energy away, and it also helps you adapt to any change that may come. Uh, one of my favorite. Uh, things that I like, my cleansing rituals, is Palo Santo. I use Palo Santo so much. That's <laughs> one of my faves, too. Santo. Do you use it in conjunction with Sage, or do you just use Palo Santo? Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes like right now, I have in my cauldron, I have actually like a Sage and Palo Santo mix um, okay. going right now. So it just it really depends. Mm -hmm. Um, but Palo Santo is definitely my favorite. Um, it's one of my favorites that I like to use um, for the full moon. Um, and that's really just about cleansing my area. The scent kind of like it's very euphoric to me. It helps calm me. Um, so I, can I can agree to that as well. More, yeah, that more meditative state. You know, um, and I do like to journal. So after the full moon, I, I will, like after I meditate, I will journal. And I will journal uh, things that I, I need to let go in my life, whether it's people, things, situations, um, my own negative thoughts, you know, um, 
anything that has to do with like shadow, shadow work. And once I do that, then sometimes I burn it. If it's something I need to let go, I'll just, I'll burn that paper. Okay, so now I have a story because this just recently happened and it popped in my mind. Um, yeah. So one of the, I have a friend who's all about keeping me on track with my moon cycles and my astrology. Um, okay. her, her name's Tegan Page. She's actually an astrologer. She did an episode on my previous show too, but she's one of my dearest friends and she'll call me and she's like, okay, babe, this is what I need you to do. Okay. I need you to go to your bathtub, put your Epsom salt in there. She's like, go get all of that energy out, all that bad stuff. She's like, you have to sit down and meditate, connect with yourself, connect with your guides. And then she's like, you need to write everything you're grateful for on the first piece of paper, like everything. She's like, I don't even care if it's a new pair of shoes. And then you have to flip the page over and write everything that you need to release, like your lack mindset around this, any of your fears, like write all that down. She's like, um, and then she's like, I know you like burning like your sage and your herbs. She's like, so pick whatever herbs you're called to. She's like, then, you know, go back outside and make sure you burn that release paper with full intention. She's like, but keep in mind, the main part of this ritual isn't necessarily about releasing and manifestation. This is about honoring our ancestors and really connecting with them. Um, I'm in Wichita, Kansas, so it is a very, um, very sacred as far as indigenous territory. So I'm really, really big on honoring who had the land before me, no matter how small the percentage of my blood is actually indigenous or not. Um, I just think it's important to honor you know, where it came from. So I have tobacco on me everywhere. Um, and usually if I'm going to go do like energy work or anything on the land out here, I usually like pay my homage to them. You know, I'm like, thank you. Please give me permission to work on your land. Um, you know, sorry for what, what everybody did to you. You know, you just kind of like really want to be on the good side of things. Mm -hmm. So I went outside and I had, um, my sage, my Palo Santo, cause I use them like in unison. I always say that the two best friends that anyone could have. So you sage the BS at and you bring the good energy back in. So I'm always curious of everyone else's rituals, right? So, um, had my release paper, walked outside. I have a chimney in my backyard cause it is super windy in Wichita. So you have to be very conscious of lighting stuff outside. And I had my bowl, I had my hand of tobacco. Um, I worked with a medicine lady when I first came to Wichita, probably two years after I worked here and I still work with her. And she helps me feel comfortable working with indigenous traditions and understanding that like these have to be passed on um, respectfully. So she is like, put the tobacco in your hand and talk to them. She's like, whether it's an offering or you're asking for their help in something, keep it. And then when you open your hand, even if the wind isn't blowing, the wind will blow it out of your hand and they're taking that offering from you. So I did my tobacco offering and I had all of my stuff burning. My release paper went up quick. You know, like when you feel like it works, you're like, yeah, I got rid of that. You feel kind of like the relief and the cords pulling out of you. And then, um, um, it was around Halloween. So it is really big on like the veils, super, super thin. Like, yep. so I'm like, Hey guys, woo! I'm so excited to like be this close to you. And I can see some of them. Like I know who's kind of like coming in and helping me. So I actually left the, I did Palo Santo, sage, tobacco, and lavender. And I left it, um, not necessarily burning, but like mildly smoldering outside on the table so they could like dance around it. And like, it was a continue, like paying my respects to them and kind of, uh, Kind of my way of like leaving them food is kind of how I feel. 
But um, the reason that I think I like your subscription box so much is because, like, again, I have my friend Tegan that keeps me on all of my planetary alignments and all of my moon cycles because I'm, like, every which way, right? So your box is really cool because I really think that it would make people, like, stay consistent with that practice. You know that these things work for you and they're an intricate part of, you know, whatever sort of evolution we're supposed to be doing. But your, your box, um, I'm really excited about checking out more because I really think that it'll, it'll keep people on cue with the rituals. And even for beginners, if you don't like know what to do or how to really do it, um, you guys provide a lot of information even in the moon cycles alone. Exactly. Yes. So, and that's like, so with the box, it's not just a box filled with stuff. Here you go. There actually is like not instructions, but a guide, and it will talk about, like, what's coming up with that, that full moon for that month, um, and why I chose the specific items I did for that box, so it is carefully curated um, for that specific full moon cycle for that month, and, you know, I wanted to touch um, on a little bit of what you said with, um, you know, the honoring, like, the land and, and, and indigenous where you're at because um, I'm not on indigenous land. However, I do think it's really, really important to, you know, make sure that the products that we're using are, I mean, ethically sourced. A lot of people do like to throw that, that term out so much, but I don't think they really like understand exactly what it means. So when it comes to like the products that I have, the sage, especially the sage, I actually um, get that from a farm in California that is naturally grown. It is not wild harvested um, sage. So to protect protect the environment um, and also the Palo Santo um, is exactly the same way. A lot of times um, people like to go to these, you know, dollar stores are selling Palo Santo and Sage now for really cheap. I can't <laughs> even imagine what where they're sourcing it from if they can sell well, it for a dollar. That's the thing, you know, with the Palo Santo, a lot of it, you know, it's just going to be wood that is sprayed down with oil. Mm. So I try to do my best to vet the vendors that I'm getting my material and products from, especially when it comes to my crystals as well. Um, I get my crystals from one vendor. Uh, I've talked to several um, throughout getting this process ready, um, and I my stuff comes from one person, um, and they own the mines, and I know what they do. We, we have a conversation. Um, I've actually gotten to know this person really well, um, and they're wholesale, and they've been in business for many years. So um, I don't, my I, I'm not online buying my stuff. It's not coming from, you know, overseas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to make sure that the products I'm providing for people are real um, ethically sourced, not harming the environment, uh, not, you know, uh, not harming humans in any way. So, um, I really wanted to kind of like throw that out there. No, I really think it's important. I feel very blessed that I work in a holistic community. So a lot of the people that I work with, I mean, I do get most of my crystals either from them or, um, I even, I call him my, my shaman friend cause he worked in Peru for a while 
and he he came back and just does amazing work. But um, his name's not Abrama, and I actually bought a wholesale collection from him that um, I was very impressed when I opened the collection, for sure. Um, and it was sourced correctly, which obviously makes you feel good. Um, sure. But the friends that I work with, like I was telling you before, I just got done working a holistic fair in Wichita, and um, we're, we're all, since we understand like transfer of energy, we're also really big on like reciprocity for services and um, you know, all of that fun stuff. And usually when you do a really amazing transfer of energy with somebody, um, it's really hard to find something like tangible to give them. Like, yeah, you just wanna be like, let me pay you for your services. Let me pay you for your time. Especially if yeah. you're doing channeling and tarot and inter like any sort of energy work. And I had um, a lady that, I mean, I've been shopping her crystals for uh, about four years. And she came up to me and was telling me all the stuff that she had actually learned from the previous project I did, which is called Spiritual Smorgasbord. And she's like, I've just learned so much. She's like, I don't, I don't even know how to repay you. And I was like, I don't want you to repay me. It's supposed to be a timeless resource for whoever needs it, you know? And she's like, well, I brought you this. And it is a huge carnelian heart. That I love it. It's huge. I carried around all the time. And it was so amazing that she gave it to me because I had been shopping for a carnelian piece for like over a year to do with like my shadow work and my root chakra work. And she yeah. came up to me and it was one of those moments where you're like, yes, this is supposed to be mine. And it was a really cool way of really intertwining like energy and then obviously like however you want to pay somebody back for inspiring you on your own journey but um kelly has one of the coolest rock crystal collections ever and her and her husband go around and do shows and i was like how did you even get into this and she was like well i collected them so much that eventually i was like i'm just gonna sell them <laughs> and you know there's like those crystal dealers like they can talk to the rocks and they talk back and they're just, they're so in tune with those yeah. forms of earth. Like she's one of those people, like you can go to her and you have no idea what you're, you're doing at her booth, but she knows why you're there. And she'll like, she'll clear audience, right? She'll like hear it in her head. And she's like, honey, you need this. So like, I knew that that was a very big, like amazing energy exchange that I got. And I know that you've had experiences like that too, which is probably the addicting part of working in any part of holistic is the, the divine interventions, the synchronicities and all the people that you get to work with along the way. Yeah, this journey, um, especially like the past year has been absolutely amazing. I would have never thought in my wildest dreams that I would actually be doing what I'm doing right now and connecting with the people that I am and how um, everything is just coming into my life organically uh, is is actually pretty amazing. And I just, I can't wait to see like what next year is going to look like. It is exciting to like continue to look forward and be like, the future's so bright. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there was a time coming into this to where I thought it didn't look so bright. You know, I think we all have those moments. And, and it's just been like a year can seem like it seems like it's been 10 years like so much has happened to bring me into this place and yeah the, the universe was definitely working to to bring me here yeah the universe definitely conspires in our favor it's just us who has the yeah. terminology of oh this is good happening to me and this is bad happening to me which i 
I always pick out like little snippets no matter what I'm listening to and I'll, I'll like I'll put them in my notebook for later for like new mantras or new sayings and the one that I wrote down yesterday is um, it is working for me I just can't see it yet so I'm just gonna right. keep going this is this is actually working for me it's my ego that is assigning time limits and expectations to the work that I'm doing but I 100% like when she comes up and she's in charge, like I can just feel it now. I'm like, go, get get back, go to the green room. No, 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 no. And one of, my second favorite one, obviously when she's here, I'm like, I'm asserting the mastery of my real self. My authentic self is the only one that is able to even touch this. Like at some points I feel like my ego could be poison for the work that I'm doing. And I mean, my show is called Safe Space with Cheyenne. And I don't want to be one of those weird talking head people that like just because you're on my show, you're safe. But then I go to Walmart and I treat people like crap. You know, like I really want to be authentic and safe in every aspect of my life with obviously like you honoring, honoring your soul contracts, your karma, your shadow work, integrating all of these things um, and realizing that you really are still human even though you're a spiritual being having a human experience you have to allow yourself to be human and sometimes it doesn't feel good especially shadow work so I want to jump to shadow work really quick because I feel like you might have some good pointers for me and anybody that's listening right well, everybody rolls their eyes at shadow work they're like oh my god seriously okay. Ugh. Well, when it comes to like the pointers so the only thing that I can really say is just take care of yourself um, for shadow work, it, you really, honestly, like, rest. You really need to. Um, I actually have been diving into some shadow work this week. Some things are coming up to, with me, and I have just been, like, emotionally drained this week. I could not get my shit together. And the fact that I was able to, like, today I'm feeling better, but this week had just been, and I had to remind myself to just rest. And I didn't turn on my electronics yesterday until 3 in the afternoon. I needed that. I needed to just take that break and just not even dive into it. So my the biggest thing that I can recommend is definitely rest, take care of yourself, cry it out, go through the process because it's worth it. It, it is so worth it. Um, one of the most uh, you know painful processes of growing can be the most beautiful, especially when you come out the other side. And it's definitely needed. If you need to, if you want to move forward in another area in your life, um, yeah, it's important. I feel that really hard because I know that I have moments where I'm like, oh, I really like I I really need shy time, right? It's not, and it's not like I need to go like just zone out on my phone or my big my biggest vice in my life now is loving French fries so much. Like even if I've had a good day, I'm like, I'm gonna go get an order of French fries. Mm, I'm so excited. Um, and I'd really prefer to stay like 10 times more clean than anything, but I'm like, okay. So here's what I think about that too, tree branch. Um, I always picture myself like passed on and I've like, I've already done my life review. Um, and obviously like I probably had unfinished business cause God knows what happened. But I always think of like, if I were dead right now, like what are the things that I would actually like kind of want to do one more time because the physical body is the one through the five human senses is the one that gets to experience all of those right the spirit's just kind of trying to keep you in line so I don't eat french fries 
for three meals. So I'm like, oh, well, I really love, I love pizza, but I can't have it all the time. So like I put it in my vice box and I'm like, oh, I'll have that. It'll be good. And then like French fries. And sometimes I like ice cream. Like it is like very like childlike to me, but I'm like, if I died tomorrow, just, you know, if I'm on, if I'm in the hospital and you got to take me off life support, just for the love of God, at least bring French fries in my room so I can smell them before I go. Cause I have a big attachment to stuff like that, but like I said, I prefer to be more clean eating than anything, um, but I'm human and I really like, I like like five guys and stuff like that too, but um, I notice my spiritual bypassing for shadow work could actually be going into these vices, and even though it's not like, oh no, I'm going to go smoke crack instead of writing my journal, like it's not that bad, I it's, it's really good to have the awareness when those pop up, and I'm like, oh, I want to go do that, and I go oh no, I have to go sit down and write about this stuff that's coming up. Cause there is like a lot of purging in that. Um, yeah. And especially when you understand that like you're healing past parts of yourself. So like I'm 31 driving my daughter to daycare and I have a flashback of my mom leaving me at daycare when I'm like six. And I really don't like my daycare provider. She is so freaking mean to me. Um, so I'm like, okay, that's weird that that popped up right now. Don't really have time to unpack that. But when we get home, we're going to talk about it. So like I'll take a minute and I'll grab a notebook piece of paper out and I'll just write the story down that is actually coming out in my mind. Um, whether it's something that's suppressed that I wasn't able to remember at the time or just came up. And I think that that is very important to talk about for shadow work because I know there's so many things that pop up. I mean, it is the darker part of you or even the abandoned part of you, so to speak. Um, so I mean, for like my advice alone on it to anybody that's listening is, um, the dark part is still you, right? You don't get to banish it. And then you're just going to be like this light being, it really is a Buddhist context of purifying your disposition and not only having the light and the dark work together, but we could also even venture down the rabbit hole of the divine masculine and the divine feminine inside of all of us coming and finally working together. Yeah, being in harmony with one another. Um, you know, it, it is not about, shadow work is not about, you know, um, like you said, just being all light. No, <laughs> we're human, you know, like you had said before, and in our human form right now, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I think it's important to recognize, you know, that part of ourselves and to walk alongside and accept that part of ourselves. But when we come into, like, triggering moments, we can handle it um, in a different manner instead of, you know, in, um, in a manner to where it's an anger where it hurts ourselves, our inner being, and others. You know, so when we come into, like, those moments, we're able to handle them a little bit more, shall I say, grace, I guess, a little bit more understanding. Seeking to understand is one of the biggest things that I like to remind myself, especially in one of, I mean, those heavy situations where you really just want to react out of either fear or anger or resentment or even like condemning. Like, um, I remember, so I might have to save this for the empath conversation, but Um, I just remember like back in the day feeling like so justified in the way that people hurt me that I was actually able to condemn them for their actions. Um, and I mean, that was a super big one. I'd be like, oh, fuck you. I know what you did. You know, like, don't even come at me like your mother Teresa, because we're about to go down. Um, 
And I, I can still say that I have, you know, feelings of acting that way, but it's the awareness, underlying awareness that you have and you're able to like, okay, this is how I used to react. This is how I actually want to react. And then feeding that positive pathway, even though, I mean, that, that negativity, that darkness, I mean, it is strong because you've fed that pathway for so long. Sure. You know, and it's not just one another. Shadow work is a continuing thing. We have to continue to do it for the course of our lives or for as long as you want to. Um, but it's not like, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and do shadow work this month. Oh, I'm cured. I'm good. I'm going to fall of flight now. I'm okay. Kind of like when people are like, oh, I got through my dark night of the soul. I'm like, it's not just one. The first one is heavy because like you like you finally see like the illusions that you have, you know, been in and the whole mental breaking down. I'm so glad that I was educated on Dark Night of the Souls through people in my life before it actually ever happened to me because I mean, I had moments where I was like, is this why people go into mental hospitals and just, you know, tie themselves to a bed for 10 days? Like what's going on with me? And then when I realized that there was a lot of like falsities in my life that had been built up that were supposed to be breaking to remind me of a bigger thing. um, I mean, in a way it really did save me, but my heart goes out to anybody that is waking up or is going through a dark night of the soul and all of that. One of the best and scariest pieces of advice my best friend Esther gave me was, um, I need to remind you that some people actually don't make it out of the dark night of the soul. Like they go down so far and they don't know how to pull themselves up. She's like, you really must be careful with your past because she's like, people do kill themselves in the midst of a dark night. And it's because they don't want to face the reality of, you know, the untruths that they've lived in or, you know, moving forward, they obviously have a bunch of fear for the future. Yeah. I didn't have anyone to help guide me when I went through that. I did, I started the path intuitively on my own. It just, well, like it just, I didn't make the decision, like, okay, I'm going to do this. It just organically happened intuitively. And it wasn't until years later I I saw the term shadow work and I saw, you know, empath. And I'm like, oh, my, it was like, lip bulb. That's it. That's That, yeah, the resonance is probably my favorite part about it. So my story is super trippy and I really hope one day that I'll be able to actually piece it all together and tell the full story. Um, So the parts that I am allowed to tell is, um, so obviously like before you ever identified publicly as an empath, you always like, you knew, right? Like you're just like, oh yeah, that explains this, that explains this. But embodying the empath was something that came later. So my mother-in-law went to a reader at the holistic fair that I actually work at now. And she said, the reader talked about me. And I was like, what'd she say? Cause like stuff like that, I kept really close to my heart. You know, I'd been, I'd been to readers before. I love them. They're all very insightful, but it, it was, it wasn't something that I had come back home to yet. And she sure. said, she said, yeah, she told me that you were an empath and you would be really good for our family. And I was like, okay, this woman's the real deal if she knows that I'm an empath because, like, I don't even, like, that's not something that is on my resume, you know. 
Like it's right. one, it's actually one of the reasons that I struggle in the physical world. Cause people are like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, you're not facing your shit and you're standing close to me. So, and then when you tell them they're like, it's just like, you're crazy, you know? So, um, I was like, I have to talk to this woman. Like, where is she? And she goes, well, she only travels in for this fair and this fair only happens every three months. So she's like, I guess we could look it up online and see when it is again. And by God, if the fair wasn't going on that day for the next two days, right? And I'm like, I still haven't like woken up yet, right? Like I'm still in like a very, I feel like it was like a pressurized moment. Like shit was about to pop off in retrospect. Um, but I felt like a lot of like, Ooh, it was the best way I can describe it. I was like, I have to go, I have to go see this woman now. So like I went in, I paid my money to get in the fair. I went and I sat in front of her and I waited and I just sat down in her chair and she's like, okay, baby, shuffle the cards, you know, give them back to me whenever you're done shuffling. And she's like, but can you tell me why you're here before I start reading your cards? And I mean, it's not that I was mean, but I was very, I was very like, I had a very big wall up, right? And if someone has a wall up in a reading, you're not gonna get much. Like it's energy transfer. So I I said, um, my mother-in-law actually got a reading and you talked about me being an empath. So I know that you're the real deal and I'm pretty sure that you can tell me some things that are going on with me right now because I'm feeling a little crazy. And she was like, okay, baby, baby, like let's read the cards. So she starts like doing the reading, which I don't get into it because I'll look up and it'll be 30 minutes and I'm still talking. But by the end of this fair, I was just like, like beaming, like high frequency, high vibes, higher than a gamma state in your brainwave. Like I was just like, oh my gosh. And like the clear audience was coming in and all these like all these things that had actually already been there were like all hitting me at once. Like if all your clear senses lit up at one time in one room right? Which if you think about going to those holistic fairs and all those practitioners working together, I don't think people understand the reason that they feel so magical, whether as a patron of those fairs or a practitioner of those fairs, is because the collective consciousness is actually working together in the room. So I know people say that sometimes their their senses work better in these fairs and then they go home and they just don't feel as powerful. Um, so that's also a reminder that I like because I, I even understand that too. I'm like, okay, I'm getting ready to go to the fair where there's a lot of collective energy that I'll be able to tap into. And then when I come home, I'm still connected to the collective, but not all of our energy sources are around each other. So um, after that, um, craziest thing happened. This lady that was selling crystals there, she got gifted, gifted something from um, another indigenous tribe and she needed to take it back to her place in Texas to get it back to whoever was supposed to be down there. But she thought it was illegal to transfer it and didn't know and didn't want to one, disrespect the ancestors, disrespect the person and obviously get in trouble. So I called my friend, Linda Lee, who's I call my spiritual guide or my medicine woman. And I was like, hey, I have this going on. Um, could you just kind of like guide this woman in the direction? We really wanna make sure this artifact gets safely to where it needs to go. So we finished that up and she's like, well, now I need to talk to you. She goes, cause I'm just sitting here in my chair and I'm seeing everything that's going on with you. She's like, so let's talk about, you know, waking up and what it looks like. And I was just like, okay. And I was like, I, uh, I smoked a lot more pot back then. So I was like, I'm going to light a joint 
to get through this conversation because like I feel like I'm in that weird Disney movie like we're like you wake up in Neverland and you're like this is real mermaids are real pirates are real like that's just kind of how it felt so after I got off the phone with her I had to sit down and meditate and just like really like ground and connect and I just remember um, admitting the truth to myself about like everything and I just like broke like I felt my heart chakra just bust open from the front and from the back which the back I mean I had never felt like that in my life and I could feel like all of the energy of my heart chakra that had been stuck in there and repressed but also needing to release was literally going through my body and the only way that I could describe it to people when I try to tell them is like go to a concert and stand in front of a speaker but imagine the speaker and like the bass is only hitting your heart and it pierces through your body. Some people get it. Some people are like, oh, you lost me. Um, but if you've had a heart chakra expansion, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it really, really connects you with the highest form of love, which is unconditional love and, you know, spirit, source, all of that. And I had, um, I had felt the connection to divinity before when I had a kundalini awakening when I was 20, but it was supremely short-lived. And I had always wondered what had actually happened to me. And it was something that would, it would like never go away from me, no matter what I did. I was always like, I have to feel that again. And I want to know what that is. So when I woke up, so to speak, it was technically my second Kundalini awakening. And I was trying to get married to my soulmate at the time. It was two weeks before my wedding. And I had to go back to him and be like, I see dead people. And I hear voices and actually all this has happened to me my whole life. I can tell you multiple stories of haunting situations, poltergeists, like talking to dead loved ones. I said, I know it's really hard to believe because it's still hard for me to believe. I'm like, but like, do you still want to marry me? Because the girl that you proposed to really isn't the girl that you're getting ready to marry. Like, and I was, I was so high up there, right, that I, I could just, I saw so much. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is a lot. Which in retrospect, it helped me get through a lot of the 3D things that I was struggling with getting through at the time. Um, But obviously, delivering anything on that frequency is unmanageable at the time. So, like, I had the site where I was like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, you, like, climb up in the tree and you're like, we're going north. But you got to climb back down the tree and still go through the whole forest. That's That's what I did, like, right when I got married. And God bless him. He's... He's really hanging on the best he can because this shit is really weird for him. Like he, he really, he's a sweetie. He's honestly like normal is the nicest way I would put it. Like he's just started carrying crystals. He believes in them. He's working on like his affirmations and stuff. But like I'll come home sometimes and I'll be like, so I have a dream interpretation for you. Or, hey, I saw this today or this is what's going on. Like, this is what I hear in my head right now. Can you help me validate it? And he's just like, okay, babe, I just, I just need a minute. I just, uh, just give me a minute. So I'm sure there are other people out there that have to deal with that. But my, my waking up was still just so different. And then like, like you, I started searching terminologies. I was like, okay, I know I'm an empath. Um, what is 5D? What is a spiritual awakening? Not everybody wakes up the same. So obviously just like 
with you and setting intentions. You can do whatever ritual you want. You can use whatever herbs you want, but like, what is the intention that I'm setting here? And that was, that was probably one of the biggest reasons for the podcast in the first place was being a resource and knowing that people are going through this on a collective level. And some people just kind of want to treat it like self-therapy. They don't really want to put it out there that they're having this weird consciousness expansion and they don't really know how to go about it. I remember my um, my awakening, my Kundalini awakening, and I remember vibrating on such, like, I would literally vibrate. And I'm like, what the hell is happening to me? Everything just started looking different. The frequencies that I was picking up were just, had just gone through the roof. I mean, the frequencies went from zero to a hundred like that. And um, I was like, my husband is, is a lot like yours. Um, he's a lot accepting now before he was just like, what do you mean you're vibrating? <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, like, is this a phase of some like weird thing that you're like getting into to help whatever's going on? You know, like he doesn't have any, any, definitive tangible definition to like help me you know I, I didn't blame him by any means but I was like if you've ever believed anything that I've said to you right now you have to believe this because if you don't support me it could be really bad I'm like I had you have to believe this right now because like you know I'm like looking around him I'm like you don't understand so I like I it's really good because he he understands science right so I'm like visual visual light spectrum electromagnetic field, auras, meridian lines, noddies. That's exactly, that's exactly how I try to like explain to my husband. It's like, you know, it, it's energy. It's transfers and you can't deny that it's a scientific fact. We're all energy. We're made of energy. We all connect. I mean, our brainwaves, it, it's just, and we're all connected to the universe. And it took a while, but now he is, there's no, I mean, he believes it because he's living it with me. Mm-hmm. You know, he has seen the transformation. He has seen our lives change and and drastic ways from the bad to the good, back to the bad, and back to the good again, you know? And then the, the whole, um, yeah, just the whole transition. It's definitely a roller coaster. Both of us, yeah. Yeah. The idea I that just because you, you tap in, like, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Like, if anything, you yeah. feel it on a, on a deeper level, right? Because yeah. you're so... Uh, tuned in more so the roller coaster of it is what I continuously remind myself and like there really is no good or bad they're they're just experiences that we need to go through and we are going through Um, but obviously when it feels bad you miss feeling good so you're like no 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 and I always remind especially the people that I talk to and do work with I'm like keep in mind like being happy for me is actually still a four-year-old pathway I said in not even four years, probably like three, because I spent the first year researching what an awakening was and what I'm actually supposed to do with this information. And, oh, yeah, I got pregnant on my honeymoon and now I'm pregnant and now I don't have any clear senses. And was all that just a dream? You know, so I like I would wake up and I would have to shut down again. I would wake up and I have to shut down. And eventually there's a line. There's like a horizon line where you go past and you don't have the option to go to sleep anymore. And I had finally hit that probably a year after my awakening where I was like, okay, this is it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, but 
Like, I believe in the Claire senses. I believe in my connection to divinity. I don't feel unworthy of being tapped into these, and I don't feel blasphemous for hearing the voices in my head. I don't think that it's demonic or satanic or, you know, what whatever people want to say about it. But, like, my own personal struggles with just accepting my own gifts, I mean, my goodness, I could write a book about that alone and really pull it apart. It'd probably be very therapeutic now that I say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, you should. It is very therapeutic. <laughs> Which, speaking of a book, so um, I knew we were going to obviously go on a great conversation. So you wrote your story out in a book called Lunar Wisdom. You and 13 other women, is that correct? Yeah, um, 12 other women. 12 other um, women, you have the 13, right. 13, there's 13 of us, I believe. Um, so, yeah, it is a collab book and it is about uh, connecting with the moon cycles and we all do it in, in our own way like you had mentioned um, it was the intention that's what matters so yeah that book is my, my story is there's part of my story in that book I have so much mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is about how um, the conjuring moon came to be part of it and my chapter uh, is called um, full, Most, full moon let go and embrace change um, because a lot of change had happened throughout my life, um, especially in the in the past year leading up to launching The Conjuring Moon. Um, and I wasn't quite sure if what I had wanted for my life was even going to, to become a reality at one point. And, and so it does talk a lot about how you know, you had mentioned it's, it's not, we say it's bad, but is it really everything I think happens for a reason and uh, things have happened to put me and other people into place in order for this to, to come to being. So last year I wanted to open up a metaphysical shop and I had everything in place. That's what I wanted to do. That's how I was going to share my magic to the world. Um, and I had been manifesting this. I had been using the moon cycles um, in order to do that. Um, but then, um, in the blink of an eye, um, some things happened. Um, my family had, uh, my daughter got extremely sick. I do talk about that in the book. And she was fighting her own demons at the time. And so I had to take a break from the business and it was literally three days before I was to go like sign the papers, sign the lease and everything for this store is um, three days before that is when um, you know we were hit with terrible news and, and so of course that was put on hold, uh, put on pause for a while and I just focused on my daughter um, and I just wasn't quite sure how long that would take and what it would look like when we got through to the other side. So I just put all of my energy into her, into my family, and just making sure that we get through that and we become whole again. So when things started to um, be better for her, and when she started to improve in her health and coming to a good place, I started focusing on my business again. But it just didn't feel right. The store just did not sit right with me anymore at that moment. And it was weird because I had such a passion for it. 
But with that one thing happening, it just, it transitioned everything. And I was like, okay, so I'm not going to force it. Obviously, this isn't right, so I'm not going to do it right now. I'm just going to, like, pause. I'm going to look inward, and I focus a lot on um, the full moon and, and a lot on the new moon um, energy at that time and the new moon to manifest you know, what I'm supposed to do and bring um, that into, into being. So then I had a dream, and I was holding a box, and all I could see is me holding this box in a full moon, and I'm talking about um, the cycle of the full moon. And I instantly woke up, and I, I told my husband, I'm like, I'm going to start a subscription box service. And I told my daughter, and I said, it's going to follow the cycle of the full moon. I have this dream. This is what I'm supposed to do. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I did it. So it was like a couple of weeks later. It was literally a full moon. I'm on Facebook scrolling, and I see this ad for um, how to launch a subscription box service. I've never even researched anything about a subscription box. I didn't, um, I never even saw this person before in my life or her business, and here it is. I'm like, oh, I have to do this. If I don't, I mean, the universe is speaking to me right now. It is bringing this into being. I have to follow through with this. And I did, and I haven't looked back. And it's just kind of morphed into other things right now to where now I'm offering um, services, and I feel there's such a, a huge um, pull to help others, um, specifically females, women, um, to get back in touch with their divine intuition. Uh, we get so stuck into like the mundane everyday things and you know taking care of the kids and the family and, and we have to work a job, we have to bring in an income and you know we gotta run our kids to here and to there and we lose track of ourselves and we don't stop and take these moments anymore and we get lost in the chaos. So I feel a really um, strong pull to do that, and this is just the start of it. And now I'm, I am working on how, I'm not sure how that's going to look uh, yet, but um, we'll see. We'll see what the universe provides me. But, you know, through, like, um, the subscription box service, when I started that, um, I found a group, and I met somebody through this group. And it just, like, we became um, biz besties. Um, we have talked every day since. We haven't missed a beat. And then through her, she invited me to, she was like, hey, there's this group online I think that you would benefit from. You might find, add you. I'm like, no, sure, add me. Well, through this group, she added me to. Then I saw somebody else being like, hey, we're collabing on this book. It is about um, connecting with the cycle of the full moon. You know, is anybody interested? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always wanted to write. I just didn't know what about. And it just kind of just transitioned um, and into this thing that, you know, coincide with my business and what I'm doing. And it just, I then I met these amazing women through that. And it's just like the universe definitely has provided it just a year ago, this isn't what it looked like, but this is where I'm supposed to be. And those things had to happen in order for me to be here and to find that. And I started like, you know, I'm setting these intentions and I'm manifesting these things 
And but you know, we have to put forth the energy too. People aren't going to knock on our door and be like, "Here you go." You know, we have to answer the call. So, and we have to know those signs. We have to recognize those. We have to see them, and you have to jump in both feet, like all that fear, and just do it. And that's what I've done. Um, and it's been scary. It's been beautiful, um, enlightening, and uh, I am very grateful for the people that have come into my life throughout this whole process and who have supported my business. Um, and I can't wait to see what next year is going to look like. I just want to clap really loud right now and be like, yes, yes. <laughs> Everything you say is so on point. Every time somebody brings up the word fear, though, I always love to pull it apart. Um, uh, Alexian was a pagan lord that I interviewed uh, last year, I believe, and he said fear is false evidence appearing real. So anytime that you fear something or you feel fear coming on, he's like stare it in the face and be like, you aren't even real. And you, I mean, like it is a block, right? Like it's like, oh, no. Don't go this way. Um, but I found even recently, like just talking about shadow work, like walk into that fire because that fire is you. And I mean, yeah. that fear is still a part of you showing up and you have to ask yourself, fear, why are you here? Because you're not real. You are an illusion. So let me ask myself, like, why am I scared to succeed and why am I scared to fail? Yeah. Why, why am I scared to live my purpose and why am I scared to obviously fail at what I believe is my purpose, you know? And I mean, I'm just really speaking from like past experience because I've had plenty of job opportunities before I ever got into what I'm doing now that really, really did help shape me to be able to run my own business. But um, I also remember waking up and being like, why am I grinding so hard for somebody else's dream? Like yeah. you're always going to have ups and downs anyway, but what makes it worth it is it's yours. And yeah. I mean, if I'm going to sacrifice my life, my health, my time with my child, my time with my husband, it better be because it's what I want to do with my life and not because I have to go and work for, you know, whether a small business or a corporation um, at the end of the day, that was a really big like eye opener for me is I'm like, I'm not going to have good days every day. I'm not going to have great sales every day. I'm not, thank God, everybody I've interviewed is just awesome and nice. And I haven't had one of those experiences where I get done with the interview and I'm like, I hate them. You know, like I really do vet everybody pretty good. Um, I, like I said, I like to work with people I believe in and people believe in me. And I have had some circumstances where, you know, after the interview's done and life continues, I realized that, you know, maybe they weren't being as authentic as I wanted them to be. So, I mean, like, you can scoot away from those people, but I still believe in, like, the, like, the Buddha in them, if that makes sense. There, there, are, there are parts of people that I still like and still believe in that aspect, but it always sucks when you kind of have to vibrate away from somebody because they just... They've served their purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of people I, I had to um, vibrate from here recently, and I think it was uh, necessary in order for me to continue down this path, um, you know.
Yeah, did ditto. <laughs> ditto. Okay, so I told a little bit about um, like my coming into my empath story, but um, I want to hear yours and like how you're working on it. Um, yeah, so um, when you told me uh, your empath story, you know, from being a little girl, and I, I told you, I was like, why do I feel like you're telling my story? <clears throat> it's definitely the same. I've always felt, I've always known, I just didn't know why or how. And I remember telling people, like, um, even like in my 20s, you know, I, I know things, I just don't know how I know them, but I know them. It's not like in the movies where I'm, I'm hearing your thoughts. Um, and then it wasn't until like a couple of years after that, it was like, oh, okay. It's an energy. It's, I'm feeling a vibration. I'm picking up on that, and it's my intuition. Uh, but I've always known it ever since I was like a, a little girl. And I was, you know, the, the sensitive one in the family and the outcast and um, crying. And, and it wasn't until like many, many, many years later, you know, I realized that it was their energy that I was picking up, you know, in the home that I was growing up in. And it just all started like clicking. But one thing that really... Uh, stood out to me was a post that you had made. I want to touch, I want to touch on this. Because um, I saw it a few days ago, and I was like, oh, yes. Okay. So um, in that post, you one of the things that was said was, you know, um, it's up to me to learn how to feel safe in big crowds. You and me both. Like, everything I post is truly, I mean, something that I'm struggling with, too. And my response to my environment is my responsibility to manage. Um, once um, I understood that, and once I knew that I have the power to ground myself, to cleanse my, myself, to deflect that energy, I guess, I don't know if that's the right word, but that's how, um, or to block it. Um, once I knew how to do that and I knew I needed to because I didn't want to stay in that place anymore I didn't want to like stay home near recluse and and not go around people I, I want I needed to learn how to do that and I remember um, a time I fell into this really deep dark depressive state um, and it wasn't just big crowds. Like, I couldn't go into my workplace anymore. And this was like the start of a huge transition in my life. And this was probably more than a decade ago. Um, I picked up on everything. Now, I worked in a funeral home. What? How? I worked, I was in sales. And I oh, my heart. Yeah. So it came, it got to the point, at first, it's like, okay, I'm good, I'm fine, it didn't matter, but then there was a point, I couldn't even walk in the place anymore. Um, I literally picked up on everything. I came into this awakening, and it was like, really like hyper speed. Um, all of the energy around me, it was just, it felt like it was just enveloping me, like this dark cloud just hugging me and just this black energy and it just sucked me in and I I couldn't get out of bed. I really fell um, into this deep dark state 
um, my depression anxiety had increased um, to an all-time high. Um, Did you feel paralyzed by the energy? What's that? Was it like paralyzing to you to feel yeah. that darkness? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, it was um, like boulders were just holding me down. Mm -hmm. I knew my empathic abilities were definitely increasing. Um, I knew what was happening. I just, I didn't know how to do it. And you said you had like, you know, this, I wasn't that fortunate to have a guy and have somebody to talk me through it and, and help me through it. All I knew was that I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, so I had to, to find a way. Um, I had to learn how to like ground myself and find a way to process this energy and to deflect, you know, what doesn't serve me anymore. And it was a process. Um, that probably I was in that that dark state for probably about um, six months, um, and it's it's one that I don't want to you know go down again. Um, it was really really hard. So you know once I learned you know how to like shield so to speak, I started to like um, you know was able to to be around you know people and a little bit more. But um, I went on Facebook, I searched high and low, I found empath groups, I found, like, whatever, and I took what I put out of it um, and found people to connect with and to, like, help me, like, okay, what is this, what do I do? Um, and so a lot of it was intuitive. Um, a lot of it was, you know, just picking up things that I read um, in Facebook groups. Um, but it was, it was a really hard time. Um, now I've gotten to the point to where um, I can um, protect my energy force a lot better and I know how to project out my energy force as well when needed um, to help others. But it was definitely a process and I feel for those going through it, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. Um, you know, this does go hand in hand with that as well. I want to help others, you know, to help guide them, you know, to their right path. For sure. I mean, especially as an empath, obviously going through it first, there's always like first waves of people. Um, and I, I think everybody has like their specialty and like how they want to help the collective when they, you know, come into whatever remembering or awakening that they have. Um, and I mean, I know that there's some that like, they're going to be like the advanced guru on top of a mountain with a million followers. And I, I through like my yoga journey alone, like just trying to build up to even crow, right. Which is considered a beginner pose. I always realized that I had an immense connection with the beginner steps in anything. And um, even anything in spirituality, anything in Reiki, like anything I learned, like, yeah, I could, I could go off and like get certified in a bunch of different things and do a bunch of really cool things with my body and teach and help. But if I, if I was ever the teacher in a class, I'm going to treat everybody like you're a beginner. And, yeah. um, like my heart really goes out to beginners because you're like peering in this doorway that everybody's told you your whole life is like not okay to walk into or, you know, however you're raised. But 
My favorite is redirecting people back into their intuition. And I know that there's a false sense of marketing in the spiritual, especially westernized spirituality, um, that people will try to gatekeep your evolution and be like, oh, you must come back to me for your healing. Oh, we have a lot of work to do for you. And it's just like, okay, but are they connected to their divinity? Are they connected to their intuition? Is like... We're, we have to send these people back to themselves. You will have to go do your shadow work. You will have to go find your practice. You are going to have to figure out that the food you're eating is poison and does absolutely nothing for you. You are going to have to study brain waves. You are going to have to study frequencies. You're going, if you want to go even further, you can study quantum physics and quantum mechanics just so you understand all of the energy, all of the frequencies and like attuning into them and tuning out of them and what you actually do in your day-to-day life that takes you higher or brings you lower. And that even includes people in your life that, you know, one minute they're your best friend and the next minute you just don't feel so close. And that's really weird, you know, because you love them, but you're like, why do I feel so far away from you? And I always forgot to, you know, really audit myself back in the day. And I'd be like, I'm growing you know, I used to have the mindset of, oh, well, something's wrong with me. That's probably, probably why I can't get a hold of them. Probably, you know, probably why we're not as close as I actually thought we were. And then when I realized that, you know, we're both growing or, you know, we've served our purpose, um, it just didn't make me hurt as much. I was really able to release myself from a lot of the human suffering that a lot of people still deal with. And I mean, I'm not immune to it, but having the awareness was very powerful for me in realizing people coming in and out of my life, especially if you're doing, I mean, like you do intuitive oracles. So you understand people coming in and they just kind of need a safe space. They're, they're not going to be your new bestie. You know, they're not going to be your barbecue crew, but they really do feel like it on a soul level, right? Because you could have had some like past entanglements that, you know, maybe this is a karma clearing relationship and they don't really stay that long. And I've done a tremendous amount of work with trying to identify the temporary in any of my situations because I love people so much. And um, I didn't used to feel that way. I really just wanted to kind of recluse and go away. And if we had to go do social stuff, I'm like, fuck, I don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, people suck. They're going to say something to me and I'm just going to pop off. I'm getting, I would have have moments like, you know, I wish someone would. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's a t-shirt for me too. Cause like, I still have that. Right. Which the best thing that I can say about that is I used to watch a show called once upon a time, which is basically where like all the fairy tale characters were human, forgot that they came from fairy tale world or had a bunch of awesome powers. And then they woke up to their true nature. Right. Um, but there's a character on there that was my favorite. She was like Regina, the wicked witch. Um, it was, it was Snow White's mom basically in there. Um, and she turned good. Um, but she was struggling with wanting to react badly and still like condemning people for their actions. Um, even if like they were going to hurt her friends, she was like, she's like, I'm going to go hurt them because they hurt you. And then Snow White would come in and she's like, you don't understand. You can't act that way. You have to love them. If they hurt you, you have to love them more. And she was like, you don't understand. She's like, I feel so powerful and so grounded in my anger and I'm not used to 
like being good and being good makes me feel vulnerable and like really flighty and like I'm going to get taken advantage of. She's like, and then if you take advantage of me, like probably going to kill you. Right. Which I'm paraphrasing the skit at that point. But when I heard the line of that anger actually like grounds me and it actually like I used anger and that dark empath personality as a protective what I'm, whatever I'm trying to say, like a protective layer. Um, that was a really, that was a really good, like melting of one of those layers for me to understand that, like, I'm, I'm not even being my true self and I need to know why I feel like I have to over-masculate myself and protect myself so much, which in turn would be like, um, protecting the feminine aspect of you. So not only was like sitting down with my shadow side, um, very, challenging in the beginning but the first time that I went and like tapped into the feminine of me man talk about like tears and truth and I had no idea like I had no idea I'd been doing this the whole time so then even like forgiving myself for not knowing any better and forgiving myself for knowing better and still making the wrong choices I mean talk about heart chakra expansion which again, like consistently doing my work still makes me like want to be and serve humanity. Um, I don't get to like, you know, walk around and I don't consider myself a healer. I still in a weird way think that's supremely egotistical or it's just like something that like people need to say. I just like saying like, I'm a, I'm a vessel, you know, my mind is a receiver and I try really hard to keep, keep my receiver lined up correctly. So like my copper pipe is clean. Um, but I know, I know that you've had experiences like that too. Yeah. I just like to say that, um, I'm not, I I understand like healer, empath, it it does, um, sound egotistical. I just like to say I'm somebody with a lot of experiences, um, throughout my life and, um, I can help you, guide you through those. Whatever that, whatever terminology you want to use for that. For sure. That's how I feel. You know, I just do have a lot of experiences. I'm, you know, going to be 48 in a couple of weeks. <sighs> you don't look it. That's the great thing. I mean, I don't know what 48 looks like, but I don't feel 31. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Like some, I have like days where I feel like, oh, I've been on this earth for a long time. Mm, I get that. I have days where I feel like, you know, still young, still very youthful, you know, so it's just kind of, you know, goes for that, but. I honestly get excited when, like, okay, super simple story, like, just going to the grocery store and grabbing something off of the bottom shelf, and even if I'm just, like, bending over to grab something, and I'm like, I know that I did my yoga that day, and I'm, like, feeling good, you know, or if I, you have to, like, crouch down. And then you get back up and I'm like, okay, yeah, like I still feel really good. Or I'm like, oh, I need to go stretch my, my left hip. Then I'll get around. It doesn't even have to be like friends or family. I'll just like get around other people that are kind of my same age. And they're like, oh man, oh, you know, you know how it goes. The body just breaks down over time. And they just have like all these stupid fucking reasons for why their vessels breaking down when they're, they're the reason that their vessel is breaking down. And like, if you're 31 or 32 and you're like, Oh, 
this is what they said would happen when you get older. I'm like, then quit listening to them. <laughs> like you're listening to the wrong people, my friend. And, and at 30, I mean, you've got like 50 more years yet. Dude, well, that's what I keep thinking. I was like, if you don't like the way your body feels when you get out of bed at 30 or bending over to get something at 30, like, come on, take the, take the warning sign, do some stretches, find something in your diet that's not bullshit, you know? But every time I hear that, I'm like, you know, like you want to be nice about it. And I'm just like, you know, there are, there are ways to keep your body vital, you know, like, is that something that you would like to discuss? Like, I'm not, I'm not speaking from a pedestal by any means. I used to be very, very unhealthy in my twenties, like Mountain Dew, cigarettes, McDonald's. That, that was my, that was my day. You know, yeah. so it's not like I haven't wandered through the poisons of the world and come out, thank God, alive on the other side. But you're right. Direct experience is our best teacher. And as an empath, you're able to use that direct experience and go, hey, I see you. OK, like I'm not going to do your work for you. I'm not going to gatekeep your evolution, but I see you and I've been you and I am you. So let's let's talk. Because I want to quantum leap you through some of the BS that you think you're really stuck in. And then I want to educate you with spirit and science. So your left brain and your right brain get nurtured. And then hopefully you can understand that, you know, there's a bigger purpose than just coming here and feeling like you're suffering every day. So I have days where I suffer. My husband and my daughter were sick last week, so I got to take care of them. I will usually get sick a week after. Um, or I could, like, I could have prevented it better, but I didn't because, you know, you run around so much and then your body forces you to stop. So, um, yeah, like yesterday I got hit by a freight train and I was forced to like lay down and medicate and meditate and just let my body sit there. And it was so hard because I have all of these things to do, not just as like, Obviously, like I love working on my podcast and creating the shirts that I make, but like the house needs to be cleaned and my daughter has to go to daycare and my dogs need taken out, like all of these life things. And I was just like, I literally have to lay here and be okay with the fact that my body, my body is begging for me to recharge. Needs it. Yeah. Super needs it. So yeah, I've got. It's going to be messy, you know, later. (laughs) It's still going to be there for you you know, right. <laughs> I feel you. I, I get to that. And it's kind of like, you know, that part of us. So we're like, um, I feel as women, well, I can't stop. I have to take care of everything. Oh, for sure. You know, and a lot of, a lot of people are still, you know, stuck in that. I talk to, to women all the time. They're like, yeah, I, I don't have time to rest. I don't, I don't go. Yes, you do. You most certainly have time to take care of yourself. You have time to get back into you. You just have to take it. Well, my thing that I always, I mean, just on an empathic level, because, you know, when you're when you're face-to-face with those people and, like, you're basically channeling them for them, like you're being a mirror for them, and my, my body is hurting on all the points in my body that you're hurting. Um, lower back is a really big one, especially in the feminine collective. Um, whether through like holding your kids, what happened to you while you were having your kids, and then just the unsupported manner of the feminine collective as a whole, not an individual story. So like back pain is present in 
100% of women that I work with and yeah. me included. Um, but yeah. I, I understand now that if like my body is hurting, it's telling me it's trying to talk to me. And if I don't talk back to it or acknowledge it and work on it, it's just going to get louder and it's just going to get worse. So for instance, I had, um, a strain on my lower back and I refused to obviously, um, really focus on it. Like I was using my oils and I was like, Hey, I'll sit down later. Maybe I'll do some yoga. It wasn't yoga. It wasn't oils and it wasn't keeping going. It was sitting down and legitimately talking to my body and acknowledging it and being like, okay, I hear you. I know this hurts. Like what's going on? Cause it felt like something was out of place and I couldn't even put it back in. So I suffered for four weeks in and out of this pain where I thought it would go away and then it would come back. I thought it would go away and I thought it would come back. So I have a wonderful, wonderful chiropractor and I went to him and he's like, what are you doing here? Cause he knows that I like to do my own work as well. And I said, um, well, at this point, I'm going to have to outsource it to you really quick. I said, I really need you to pop me back into place. I need you to write down on a piece of paper what's actually out of place. And then I actually have to go map it to my meridian lines and my emotional body and figure out what they're saying to me through being so strained. So the, for, the first injury lasted for a month, right? And since I wouldn't pay attention to that, inflammation spread to my sacral iliac so one of it is a moving to help you like stretch and twist. And then the other one is supposed to keep you stable. And it literally felt like the lower back, it was just like, I'm going to break. Like I had a lot of empathy for people with chronic back issues who like get up every day and they're like, I just don't think I can do that because of my back. I just don't think I can do that because of my back. Um, I felt like that, but I really didn't want to be that person. And I knew that this was something emotional that I wasn't facing. So I sat down and I started doing the research and it was a lot of unsupportedness, which most lower back stuff is. It's either, you know, from friends, family, work, all that stuff. So there's a, a lot of stuff in my personal house environment that I had to work on with my husband to not only approach the unsupportedness in him, but also the unsupportedness in me. And I would sit there. Finally, the oils were helping because they're a tool. They're not a cure. Finally, the yoga was helping me release it. But me connecting with the emotional aspect of it and accepting that this was actually going on in my life while I was so busy being a mom and trying to go get money and taking care of the dogs and making sure the house is clean enough. So like when he comes home, he's like, what'd you do all day? And I'm like, Oh, you know, just building an empire, just creating a safe space for everybody in the world to come tell their stories and then, you know, build build the sponsorship packages for next year and line up the guests for the next five seasons and plan trips to go shoot documentaries. And then in between that, I loaded the dishwasher and did the laundry. And, oh, I'm sorry the bed wasn't made. Who freaking cares? You know, like I just have moments where I'm like, you have no idea what I do. Like, but then to him, because we're all mirrors, I was like, I know what you do at work, but I don't know what, how it actually affects you. I was like, so let's have a talk about how we're so lost in our own little worlds where we're actually not supporting each other. We're just pretending we are. Like, do you want to have this conversation with me? And we talked for about two hours. It was super great, super insightful. We said we reunited forces afterwards. And I mean, like, I have minimal pain on my back now that'll uh, basically dissipate after this conversation. 
Um, but I say that because there's so many people that live with chronic illnesses, chronic diseases, all of this stuff. And I'm like, your body is a warning system. Like it's, if your shoulder hurts, go map it and figure out in your emotional body why your body is like, please pay attention to me. Something's going on. And the thing that scared me the most about it is when I was doing research of this, Western medicine only, the only thing Western medicine will do for the injury I had is steroid shots in your back right under your rib bone. That's a no for me. And if it continues and there is no like relief in it, like if I don't figure it out, it would actually become a chronic degenerative dis-ease in my body. And I... And I don't mess with that at all. Like, as soon as you say, like, oh, you're stuck with this forever or chronic or anything, I'm like, well, before America was here, there was a bunch of awesome other people with really cool ways to figure out the ailments in human society. So I'm going to go ahead and do my own research, and I'm going to take what serves me and what doesn't serve me, and I'm going to figure this out. So I'm happy to report today that my back is in... Um, pretty good shape and I'm able to go back and do all the yoga poses that I was restrained from but I say that wholeheartedly because there's so many people that refuse to listen to their body and refuse to stop especially being the woman and you know that I was one years ago I was one until it, it forced me to stop you know, I went through, um, I was talking about, like, working at the funeral home when I started, like, my empath abilities went sky high. Um, after that, after I got, you know, out of my depressive state and stuff, I actually got this just, you know, um, to just get back into the swing of things, I started working at um, a local uh, pizza place. And I just, I'm like, no, I just started back in the kitchen. I just need to do something. I need to get out of the house. But I can't uh, any big responsibilities just throw them back in the kitchen I do my thing go home and that's what I did mm -hmm. until I was able to like work through my stuff and then I um but then like my body started um listen hold on give me one now. sec I'm gonna pause okay. and you're good to go now so yeah, I was I just uh, worked got a job working at the local pizza place in the kitchen. I didn't want any big responsibilities, you know. I just went to with the front of the house and the customers. So I did my thing and go home, um, and I did that, um, and I got through things, and I went back into the world. Um, and then my body started like yelling at me, and I just I wasn't listening. It got to the point to where. Um, this exhaustion would set in to the point to where I just needed to sleep for, I could just sleep for weeks. And I'm not one, if I'm driving, I don't fall asleep. If I'm at work and I got slept, I don't fall asleep. It doesn't matter how tired I am. I'm just that kind of a person. But then, like, I would be at work and I would literally sit at my desk, like, fall asleep. I'm like, what is going on? I don't, I don't do that. No matter how tired I am. And, but I just, I did not listen to my body until it took me down real bad and I had lost like so much weight and it was like unexplained why I was losing so much weight um, but I left the corporate world um, took care of myself and um, that was a that was a process 
um, I had to go through doctors and tests and, you know, all of that, when in reality, I mean, there was, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, um, that was part of it, but in reality, another part of it was that I was not listening to myself <laughs> at all, and I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed um, until it took me down, I was out for the count, again. Like, I'm literally in bed thinking, writing my will, thinking I'm dying. Like, this is it. I'm, I'm dying. Um, in reality, I was going through another awakening as well um, throughout that process, and it came to the point to where um, the corporate world was not for me anymore. I, I, I had to get away from that. I had to listen to my intuition and listen to what was going on um, inside of me and mentally as well. And I, I knew that I needed to step into the person that I meant to be. I think that's really um, a really powerful perspective too, because I'm just like you earlier with the empath story. I'm like, you're saying you're saying my story. Um, I left corporate. Thank God I was forced to leave corporate because I was like, I can't leave. You know, I have all this and this and this, and I have to do this and oh, I worked for the company for so long, I can't use my seniority. Like, there's a lot of, like, almost, like, observe, observing it from myself. Like, there was a lot of shame that I should have felt if I wasn't so aware of, like, what was going on. But I was like, yes, let it happen, let it happen. Um, so, I mean, fast forward through the wedding and having the baby. When you have a baby, you obviously need money. COVID happened, was happening. I had my baby February 2020. The world shut down a few weeks later, um, which was kind of a saving grace because um, I got on with another uh, restaurant concept that was opening in my area. And my, my corporate life was managing restaurants. I started serving like way back in the day, lived off cash forever. And then they just kept offering me promotions, even though I truly was kind of an insubordinate employee at times. I mean, I really was. I, I had, I do not have a bright, shiny record. And I kind of like that about myself. <laughs> um, but still, I mean, like if you, if you saw who I really was, like outside of like my protective barrier, like I really did ride for the brand. Right. Um, so I got on with a new restaurant concept and I was really excited because I got to hire for the store. I got to be there while the store was built. I got to be there for the opening and just really like, again, like mold that family. And we got to give speeches to the whole staff before we started training. And I gave them my background of where I come from. So you understand that like, I am, I am a person of culture. I was like, I've worked in the restaurant industry for like, however many years I'm like, but it's a people business and we just happen to serve food. So if you came into this restaurant and you have no idea why you want to work here, it's probably because you need a safe space to work. I was like, so if you need, I said, if you need a wing to come up under, I said, baby, it's me. I'm going to take care of you. But if you don't take care of me, you will feel my wrath. And I apologize in advance because I really don't like being taken advantage of. My kindness is not weakness, and it is something yeah. that I am working on. Yeah. You know, I wish a motherfucker would, right? You still have that in you. So um, I were I didn't work at the store that long. Like, we, we did all the hiring. We did all the training. The opening was great. Like, the support, um, you know, it was different. And immediately... Things like from the Bible were happening. I had a guy 
have a seizure after we got done unpacking things in the kitchen and why the ambulance is on the way here. I apparently have watched enough movies and ER episodes about how to help somebody with a seizure that I'm over here like instructing everybody what to hold down and how to put his head. And I'm like, I have my hand like on his back and on his heart and I'm like trying to pull him back because like I understand frequency and consciousness. So I'm like, if I can just get this guy to come back, I'm like, we can keep him stable enough before the ambulance gets here. So that was really freaking scary. And I just remember being like, oh my God, like I'm in charge here. Like I'm one of the managers. Like I don't get to be a bystander. Like I actually have to step in and help this man. So like, you know, I'm open at the time. I know who to call on. I'm like, God, Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Archangels, everybody. Like we need the fall team now. You know, and I'm here and I'm crying and I'm holding this man and I feel like I'm an empath. So I'm feeling how scared he is. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. You're here. You're safe. I'm with you. I'm with you. And then finally he snaps out of the seizure and he looks up at me and he's like, who are you? Where am I? And I was just like, like, again, empathically, I was like, I'd be so terrified right now if I were him. So I'm like, keep him safe. Keep him safe. Like, remind him who he is. Like, can you tell me your name? Can you tell me where you are? Can you breathe? I'm not going to have you set up yet. You're not going to set up until the ambulance get here. I was like, did you bite your tongue? How's your neck feel? How's your head feel? You know, because something could have came loose there. So like ambulance comes, all that happens. And I'm like, I think the store needs saged, you know, like I, I, I hear that this building kind of has like a bunch of like past weird stuff anyways. So I was like, I think the building needs saged, but I was scared to sage the building. Cause I was like, I don't even know if sage is good enough for this. So we continue training and like two days into training, a girl passes out in the kitchen. Well, by this point, yeah, by this point, everyone was like, Cheyenne, just get Cheyenne. She knows how to deal with this. So someone comes out of the kitchen and they're like, we got another one. And I'm like running into the kitchen. I'm like, baby, what happened? Cause she like hit her head on the freezer and stuff. So like I had to bring her water, sit her down, have somebody pick her up. Like, I'm just like, oh honey. Okay. Like you need to go take care of yourself. I think you're a little dehydrated. Did you eat today? No. Great. Okay. You need to go home. Call me when you're feeling better. Your job is safe. You don't have anything to worry about. Keep in mind the guy that I worked for, didn't give a shit about anybody in that building. Like, didn't want to talk to people, didn't want anything dramatic. And if like you, if you weren't like as miserable as him, he probably wasn't going to talk to you. So I feel like like my happiness and my light just perturbed him. And the only way he knew how to treat me was just to be mean to me and act like I was fucking stupid, right? Like I couldn't do the job that I signed up for when realistically he couldn't do the job he signed up for. So that poor little girl went on and I'm like this, I was like, there's a, just a vortex of demonic negativity in this building. I'm like, and I'm really trying, right? Like I'm towing the line for my family. I have to provide an income for my babies, but I already know I've already went down this path. Just like you, I already know what my body's going to be, what my soul's going to do. And I already know what I turn into if I don't take care of myself. So I'm, super fucking struggling. The suicide ideation is coming back again, which is the red button in my head that I'm not walking the right way in life. I'm not actually going to do it. It's just like your body talking to you. And I was like, I was like, I don't understand why I feel like I'm doing the right thing for my family, but I'm actually dying inside and I don't even want to do this. So, you know, however, 
long time goes by, I had this sweet little girl on Expo um, come up to me and she's like, hey, I'm feeling really dizzy. Like I'm standing up at this bar, right? Writing a team sheet. And she's like, I just don't feel really good. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to go home again. And like, as a manager, when you hear that one of your employees has to go home, of course you want to be there and cater to their physical bodily needs because they can't do their job. But who's going to replace you? And now I have to figure that out. You know, like we're running a business. So I have to figure out why I have to keep sending this girl home. And she basically has a medication that like stops her from passing out is what I've gotten. And she's also young, so she forgets to take her medicine. And she remembers she forgot to take her medicine right before she passes out. So she's sitting here having a conversation like you and I are. And I was like, I was like, okay, like I could feel something coming on. I was like, okay, so you didn't take your medicine and you can't drive because you you might pass out. I was like, do we need to call your parents? Like what's going on? Did you eat today? Do you maybe just need to eat some food and drink some water? And then maybe you want to try the shift out? I said, I'm not going to penalize you if I have to send you home. I was like, but what are we going to do about this in the future? Because this can't continue on for the business. And she's like, she's like, I think, you know, yeah, like maybe... You know, and she starts grabbing her head. She's like, maybe if I e and she oh, goes, she goes down in front of me and I grab her before she oh, like God. hits her head on the bar, right? Cause I mean, seriously, she was on the corner of the bar and she had to hit her temple. And I was like, guys, guys, she's going down. Oh God. And it's like dead weight. This girl's like not even a hundred pounds, but when you drop, it's heavy. So yeah. I drop her on the ground in front of the owner of the building and all the other managers in the building. And I was just like, okay, uh, she's unconscious now, right? So I'm in full, I'm acting like I had no EMT training for like the fourth time in this building. And I was like, okay, baby, okay, baby, you got to wake up. And I'm like slapping her cheek and like I can feel her heartbeat. She has a pulse. She's fine. I was like, okay, baby. The owner is standing right above me and he just goes, I am so over all of this dramatic stuff and steps over us steps over an unconscious body he said i'm not dealing with this and goes in the office you can deal with this yeah wow not to mention one of my yeah so like when you talk about like going back into the corporate world and just being like i know i can't do this anymore but i there's a part of me that feels like i'm failing because i can't fit into this bullshit anymore like It really is an, uh, what am I trying to say? Like an unconditioning rewiring process of yourself because everybody else is living that way. So why can't you figure it out? And, And that's just the way it is. You know, people have to work at these jobs and do these things. And, you know, you have a family to provide for. You can't act like this. You, you don't have time to take care of yourself is basically all I hear. But I tried to go back into the corporate world like you did. And, um, Forces beyond my control were clearly telling me to get the fuck out. So, yeah, like I I got out. I didn't even tell anybody, like no notice. I was just done. I'm like, this company is a farce as far as I'm concerned with culture. You cannot portray that you're there for your people and not be. I was like, I will ride for my employees all day long before I ever ride for the boss, right? So I struggled because I was like, okay, this is, you know, the last corporate job that I'm going to work like this. I'm, I'm going to listen to the voices in my head. Finally, I'm going to connect with 
my source and I'm going to figure out what I'm actually here to do because I'm not here to clean up this douchebag's messes. You know, this is your store. You figure out how to be nice to people. You're actually not going to delegate that to me anymore. You're going to have to figure it out, which, you know, long story long, he's not there anymore because it's supposed to be a company about culture and about taking care of people. And usually, usually you'll get found out. Yeah. Usually you'll get found out eventually. Like you really do have to leave it up to karma in that sense, which I do too. But I was just like, I really felt like I abandoned all the people that I hired. I told them that, you know, I would take care of them and they would be safe with me. But eventually what was happening is I was, I was playing the middleman between the negative, negative owner in the building and then trying to keep them away. And obviously when all of that goes through your empathic body, I mean, you just go down. You just feel like you're going to get sick again. And I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be chronically ill. I don't want any, any part of that. I, I am addicted to learning to how to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I remember trying to like convince myself every day that, you know, I needed to do this. I needed to continue to, to do that and go to work in, in this shitty environment, the shitty place and do the shitty job that I just did not enjoy, it did not resonate with me. And I remember like every morning I would have to like give myself pep talks in order to like do this, you know, I was like, okay. And then I would try to like analyze myself. Am I, did I get lazy all of a sudden? Am I really worthless? You know, what happened to me? I was never like this, you know? And it come to find out that none of that was, was actually true. And I had to like forgive myself you know, for pushing me into a direction that just didn't align with who I was. Yeah, because that's, that's what I did. <laughs> and I'm just not going to do that anymore. Like I said, you're telling, you're telling a part of my story for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, something There's was something coming to mind when you said that. What's that? I think, we're, I think we've told a lot of stories that how could they not be relatable, whether you're going through it now or you've been through it or you know you're about to go through it. Um, I think the most important thing is to realize really no matter what you go through that you really aren't alone. You just feel supremely alone. So, I mean, even one of my biggest things is like asking for help because I've always been, I've always been that phone call or, Hey, come to my house. We'll get it figured out. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't really have a Cheyenne that I could like go to. So I was like, I, I need to figure out how to ask for help then I need to like realize, you know, it's a, it's okay to ask for help. Like, you know, if you don't take care of your, yeah. And that, that is definitely, which that would probably stem from like my suicide ideation where like, I know that I felt like a burden when I was younger and I mean, multiple versions of my life, whether we were staying at my mom's or staying at my dad's, I just, I always felt like my family would be better off without me. And even if I told them that today, and even if I told them that today, they would just be like, ah, no, like, absolutely not. And I'm like, well, I know, like, in this conversation, you can say that. But, you know, our actions towards each other haven't always been as comforting as this conversation, you know. Sometimes, yeah, and, you know, sometimes just having, like, somebody validate that feeling for you, even though that it's not true, you know, like, I understand why you felt that way and I'm so sorry that that got projected onto you just those kind of things would probably make 
the whole difference in the world. Oh, yeah. It'll just... be like, you're wrong. Why did you feel that way for? You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I... That's the response I've got from my parents, too. And would still get to this day. Yeah, and I mean, I don't blame, like... It is still hard for me to talk about like some of the things that happened because I don't ever want to tell it in a story where one, I'm in a victim mindset about it and I haven't actually healed it. Uh, I am speaking from a scar. I learned that from Jen Evers. Um, So uh, I think a lot of the, the reasons like they can't cognitively go there for whatever perspective or level that they're on and I'm fine. Um, I mean, and it's just like, understanding that when you're the villain in this situation, like I know when I was the villain in situations and I've had to forgive myself for it. And if the person allows me to apologize to him, I will. Um, but there are moments where you don't want to admit that you're the villain. You feel completely justified in your actions. And, you know, if that's the response that you got from me, well, that's for you to work on, you know, and it's, it's a weird bypass or deflecting of, I didn't come back to have these conversations with you. So like I could blame you for all of these things. I came back to make sure that you knew what you did and you're actually not treating other people like this because I almost died multiple times in various different ways. And I actually didn't want to die, but the emotions were so heavy that I really didn't feel like I had a choice. I felt so hopeless in the multiple homes that I was staying in because nobody would hear me. But luckily I had music. I guess I can say that my Cheyenne is music. And there were a lot of, like Lincoln Park, for instance, Chester Bennington, obviously passed away by suicide, which still breaks my heart. Um, Because obviously like that's why I listened to his lyrics. I just felt like Chester really understood my pain and my depression and my abandonment issues and my loneliness issues. And they actually have a song called Nobody's Listening on their album called Meteora. And um, that was probably a really big anthem for me. And I wasn't able to, at the time, understand that I, like, that's actually how I felt. And I had to face the emotions. But the music, like, really, really channeled my truths to me my whole life. And I'm still supremely grateful for it to this day because... I mean, I could still throw Lincoln Park back on and it will honestly just help me with repressed memories that I still have to go get to. Like music is a huge healing modality for me and I'm obviously supremely thankful it's there and thankful for the people that continue to share it with me and have shared it with me my whole life. Because I can say if I didn't have music, I probably wouldn't be here. And that would super suck because I really like living and I feel like super childlike and like joyous about it. I'm just like, ah, mm, what are we going to do today? Yeah, it's not going to be like all perfect. Like I I walked outside today and one of my headlights was out and it's raining like crazy here. So I was like, okay, well, if you want to pull, if you want to send a cop to pull me over, I'll try to be nice to him. I really will, but I don't need this in my day, but I can't control it. So before we wrap up, um, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about your intuitive oracle because I know you said like you don't do tarot, um, but like how did you get into oracle and what does it feel like for you to channel oracle for other people? Um, yeah, so I actually started um, uh, tarot cards first, actually, and I do I will pull tarot for myself. I just don't do it uh, publicly. For anybody else, um, just chat, maybe one day. But um, 
So I started off with tarot, and um, and I I resonated with it. It just there was something missing. So I saw an oracle deck, and I picked it up one day, and that was just like it. Which is Winston was my first oracle deck that I bought, um, and I connected with it. I'm on a deep level, and it's it speaks to me um, more more than the tarot does, um, I guess. And to me, it's a little easier um, than tarot because putting the story together, I can do that. It just takes me a long time to do that. Um, so I. I dove into like the Oracle and I have, I don't know how many decks, I've got like so many Oracle decks right now, <laughs> like so many, I'm a collector. You um, and me both. Yeah, so I like to do them in person over Zoom, I do not like to do them over the phone. Um, I like to, I need to see the person and um, connect with them. So basically what I do um, is I have a conversation with them in the beginning and as I'm talking to them I will shuffle the cards so I get their energy in and talking about them so the card is getting their energy if we're doing over Zoom and not necessarily in person. Um, so that's kind of like my process in the beginning and then if they want to know, a lot of times people just want to generalize, like what am I supposed to know today? You know, what is going on? And then I will pull the card. Um, one of my favorite tools to use is uh, my pendulum. Mm. So sometimes I will do it intuitively. Sometimes I will do um, I will use a pendulum. So how I do that is I will take the deck and shuffle it really well um, when I'm ready to um, ask the question or write to pull a card. I will separate that deck into normally three piles. And then the pendulum will tell me which pile to choose um, based on its vibration that I'm picking up. And then I'll get away with um, those two piles and then I'll separate that first pile into two piles. And then I do it again, the vibration, I pick up the vibration of which pile and then I spread out that pile and then it'll choose the card. And it's spot on. I really love using my pendulum. Um, is that a tiger's that. eye pendulum? It is. So let me tell you the story about how I got this. Um, I love this. I have been on the lookout for a pendulum for probably about a year or so. And I was in Salem, Massachusetts. Mm. And I walked into this store. Um, Enchantment is what it's called. And it's by the wharf. And I love this store. So I am walking in the back, and it's just me and my husband in the back part of the store, and she has her pendulum hanging um, on this stand, and every single one of them was still, except this one, when I walked by. <laughs> it's jumping now. Mm -hmm. um, that was definitely yours. So I walked away, and I come back in, and it starts jumping again, and I'm looking at my husband, I'm like, dang. Do you see that? He was like, that's freaky. I'm like, okay, it's mine. That's <laughs> freaky. That's exactly what my husband would say. <laughs> but he's just like, he goes with it. He's, he's so understanding. He's so supportive. Um, I'm, I'm really blessed. But um, so that's uh, my favorite tool. So I will use one. We'll talk about um, the card, um, and they will dive deep into it because it's really like um, – their story for them to figure out, 
I guide them. The card just guides them. And then they have to dive deep in to figure out what the meaning is for them. And a lot of times I, I pull up a follow-up card, uh, especially if I'm kind of like feeling it throughout the conversation. I'm like, okay, let's, you know what, let's see what, what's coming up. And a lot of times I'll just do that intuitively if I feel to. Like, you know what, I need to pull this card for you. Um, and then that card will kind of um, almost always follow up with the first one that was pulled and will continue and finish the story that they need to hear. Yeah, the holding space is the the best explanation that I have for any type of tarot, oracle, pendulum, Reiki, any energy work ever is the holding space has the biggest value in that. And, you know, you're like your container, they're sitting in this container and you're giving them again, a safe space to get all of this out with someone who, you know, they're observing, they're not reacting right? So once you observe, you have that eagle eye view and you obviously coming to someone who has that eagle eye view for you have to admit to yourself that there's many situations in your life where you really are too close to the forest to see the trees. Yeah. I'm speaking from absolute experience. Um, I actually had a birth chart reader who said that to me with all the things that she was seeing for me. Cause you know, like when you first like go to any practitioner, you're like, how are you able to see that? Like, I just, I do believe you, but how are you able to see that? How can I not see that about myself? This is crazy, you know? So I still remember those like beginner moments where I was like, I have to believe it because there's no other way that you could have ever known that like, there's no way, absolutely not. Like you literally pulled that out of the ether. Okay, let's go study energy. Let's go study energy transference. Let's go study auras. You know, and you, I really like how you get guided down like your own rabbit holes because, yes. you know, you can sit in front of plenty of practitioners, read whatever book, but not everything is going to resonate for you. And that was really hard for me in the beginning to figure out what I was actually supposed to do and use and what I actually wasn't. And the only way you can do that is through direct experience. So there yeah. were there were plenty of things that I thought that I was full force supposed to do. You know, you have people that just channel past loved ones. You have people that only do tarot. You have people that only do Reiki. And um, I love it all. I think it's great. And I love when someone comes to me and crystals are probably my number one, right? Because I, I do all the energy center stuff. But... Um, my favorite is when someone comes to you and uh, I have everything you could possibly want to work with, but you don't know what we're actually going to work with. And I actually don't know until I get to sense a part of your energy and see if we're even compatible to work together. So like a girl that I had, I had her pick out crystals that she got to keep. So if she wanted to come work with me, like they're hers, right? And um, I was like, okay everyone's different. So I'm just going to sit you down. I'm like, I need a minute. And I said, and I have to work with music. I was like, I can't do the silence because then, you know, the voices are too loud and it kind of interrupts everything. I said, so I'm going to put down on some music. I need you to close your eyes. Cause I would also like to figure out like what I'm actually supposed to use with you. And a lot of the work that I do is mind's eye work. Cause that's where I see a lot of the energy coming out of their bodies and see what part of their body has a block or needs to be touched. I also see like lines connecting. So if they're, there's a red dot on their shoulder, there'll be a line that connects to the opposite knee 
because a lot of the injuries are contralateral, right? Because the energy is supposed to spiral up like Kundalini or DNA, whatever you prefer. So um, finally I lay her down on the ground because we're ready to work. And um, I see that I'm supposed to put blue kyanite in her left hand. So I was like, okay, you get my blue kyanite piece. And then I see I'm supposed to put orange calcite, which I actually have the piece right here. This is one of my favorite. I'm supposed to put this in her other hand. And I'm like, okay. And then it shows, it'll take me to my shelf and I'll, I'll pull a crystal off the shelf and I'm supposed to only put it on her third eye. But then 10 minutes later, when we've moved through a block, I have to go grab rose quartz because we just got to her heart chakra and this shit is blocked. And not only is it blocked from inner child issues, but it's blocked from, I mean, just life, right? Just shoving everything down and pretending like you don't, you don't have to care. You don't have to care. So you build this like crazy barrier on your heart chakra and you feel it hitting, but like it needs to bust out and it needs some help. And the only way to like nurture that for me in my sessions is a really big piece of rose quartz. And then um, I constantly have to ask for consent every time I touch someone's body, even if they gave me consent immediately, because it changes so much. You pull out of trauma. Um, I work with a lot of people that have hidden sexual traumas that they either know about or they don't know about. So, I mean, consistently, like, being a safe space in that. And I'm like, hey, you're safe with me. Like, I'm, I would never touch you that way. I'm not going to hurt you. And then, like, you'll see these people, like, breaking and then you're and then I'm like you don't have to be scared to cry I was like if you want me to put like a blanket over your face so you can sop up your own tears I was like however you need to be comfortable enough to cry in this space I was like there's no other space safer than this for you right now I'm like so uh somebody just told me that I need to go change the music and I really hope you like this song and then I'll put on whatever music they told me to put on and I'll have to leave the room for about 10 minutes so they can you know, it's kind of like Shavasana at the end of yoga. They really have to release that energy and accept the work that we've done together. Because just like tarot, oracle, anything in Reiki, I mean, you can work on somebody, but if it's like Santa Claus rules. If you don't believe, you don't receive. And I can't receive because you're pushing me out. And that's how powerful you are. You're actually able to keep me out. So the underlining of redirecting them back into their intuition their own power and their connection with divinity and trying to figure out why they aren't receiving the information that they should um, is probably the most gratifying work I've ever done outside of having my child. I love that. I absolutely love that. And Reiki has always um, interested me. And um, I, I didn't know this until a few years ago um, that I actually would do it intuitively. I had no idea um, what it was even called, what, what I was doing, no clue. And I remember something that, that will always stand out with me was when my daughter was young, she would have problems falling asleep um, really bad. And one night I just kneeled beside you know her bed and I took my hand just very gently and I never touched her, but I just took my hand above like her crown above her head and I would just move my hand from her crown you know down to like her feet. And I would say just very lightly, you know, anxious energy out, calming energy in. And I would just do that. And um, from time to time, you know, she would come out and she was like, Mommy, can you do that energy thing <laughs> that you do with me? And I remember we had people over one time and she was trying to go to sleep. And she's, she was young, four. Mm -hmm. 
feel very uh, open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, Mom, can you do that energy thing you do with me? And people are just like, oh. Right. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It helps her sleep. You know, I, I try to, like, give her calmer energy to help her sleep. Um, so that's how I would, like, explain it. But then it wasn't until, like, years later, I'm like, Reiki, oh, my God, that's what I do. That's what I was doing this whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I never even knew it. Um, one of our older daughters, um, suffers from anxiety really bad, um, empath, um, she's got a lot of work to do there yet. That's her path to do. But we were at a NFL game, um, a few years back and, uh, I could feel, well, I looked at my other daughter and I'm like, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. And she was sitting on, my other daughter was sitting down, a few people down, and I looked over, she was like, I can feel you, like, and I just, like, talked to her, like, telekinesis right away, and just tried to, like, reach my energy out to her, but I have to be careful not to take it in, mm-hmm. so just reach my energy out to her, and just... I was breathing and I could see her starting to do breath work all on her own. And then she was calm and we had a great night. <laughs> so I never even knew that that was something that I was, I, I didn't know the name for it until like recently. So it's really cool like how we just intuitively do things. And it, I know it's from our past lives coming in into this current one. Absolutely. How else could you explain it? How do we know these things mm-hmm. unless it was coming in, kind of coming from somewhere, intuition. It came from there. So I just, I, I love that kind of stuff. I think it's, I think it's so awesome. Yeah, I think it's really powerful. Yeah. And I mean, just kind of like clear senses in general. I mean, there's people that generationally they've been open to all of those energies and they've been taught those and then there's other people that have been shut down and suppressed but it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have clear senses um and that's something that I really like to tell people when they just feel like there's some ordinary normal person who you know just didn't didn't get the superpower in their family or something like that I'm like all of us have senses just like um you know your regular human senses if you're if you're no, like if you lose your sight or you lose your smell or you lose touch or anything, there is plenty of research that will prove that trauma suppresses senses. So if trauma and suffering suppress the human senses, what do you think this world does to any of the clear senses that actually connect you to the true source, which whatever you want to call it, I mean, we all come from the same place. No matter what, the, the good and the bad. And that's the thing that, um, I know people have trouble wrapping their heads around is Mm -hmm. Lucifer also comes from God. Like Mm -hmm. God created Lucifer. If you believe in Lucifer, um, but anything dark, anything demonic, anything elemental, extraterrestrial, anything that exists right now all comes from the same place. One Source. One yes. source, no matter what you want to call it. So all the wars, yeah, all the wars of no, it's no, it's Yeshua, no, it's you know, all of these, you know, different names for the same thing. Um, 
I just think yeah. it's really important for people to understand that the good and the bad all come from the same place. And, Absolutely. you know, the darkness in you is still your friend. And it's, it's a part of you that you've abandoned. Um, and you kind of need to go back and pick up those pieces, whether you were the villain or whether you were the, hero, the hero or the victim. Like I have, I have plenty of stories where I could preach like I'm a victim and I don't want to. I know that I understood the lessons, but the people that I had those entanglements with, they didn't get out um, unscathed like I did. And I mourn for those people that didn't learn the lessons of karma um, just because like it pushes you further away from where we're all trying to go. And I'm, I'm not a believer that this is like my first and only life. And, you know, I'm going to go to hell if I go read a different book than what I was supposed to be raised from. Um, but I do believe that we have a lot of work to do collectively and individually. And we live in a world where you can look back at any ancient document, anything you want. And the consistent thing is, is there is a power grab for human consciousness whether it's, you know, Sumerian texts all the way to just like the Holy Bible. It's like, why do people not want us to evolve and expand? You know, why is, why is psilocybin illegal? Yeah. You know? I would love to do another podcast with you and just talk about that stuff. Oh, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. I know we definitely have to wrap it up, but I mean, these are the things that I research all the time and connect. I'm like, there's... There's so much more to be said about this. And I know that I can't actually deliver it in like the perfect format. It'll just come out like, blah, here you go. Completely unformatted. But I mean, that's okay. but when I think about that, it's so weird because it makes me want to eat better because I feel like every time I put something in my body, it takes me further away from what God is to me. And every time I, you know, I'm, I'm Pinocchio. That's, that's all I am. I actually have Jiminy tattooed on my hand right here because my sister used to be my conscience um and that's her nickname so I keep her with me all the time but if you're Pinocchio and you're trying to get to school which would be going back to God and you have these really cool people coming and showing you these really fun things to keep getting you away and further away then it, it helps me take control of my life even more and not even fall for the illusions that still place themselves in my life I still yeah. have, you know, plenty of vices that I like to work through. Um, but I, this is probably one of the healthiest versions of me that I've been in a while mentally, physically. I know that my body like still needs help with nutrition, staying, staying on, you know, whatever yoga routine I'm on, educating on whatever certification I'm on right now. I'm actually in the middle of a four month um, I would just call it quantum Reiki because I know there's quantum touch and Reiki and a bunch of difference. Um, but I'm actually working with a um, very highly advanced practitioner, but her partner is also a psychologist who also helps teach the class. So yeah, awesome. they bridge spirit and science so well for me that I I'm just elated to be in their presence. And then on top of that, I'm finishing a yoga certification that I was supposed to to finish like a year ago. And I'm like, okay, okay, I really need to get this done because I really would like to get into the teaching format again. So having all of those, ooh, who's trying to take my fun little Claire senses away from me just really like helps me in my everyday life. And I've been told for a long time that I'm an old soul and I'm a really deep person. And being a deep person doesn't always mean that everybody wants to be around you because they would just prefer to stay on the surface level and deal with their illusions the best they can. Yes. 
So truth. Do not get my feelings hurt anymore at that. But do you have any um, wrap ups or any like advice that you would like to say moving forward? Obviously, I want you to come back whenever you want. I can't wait to see how the Conjuring Moon grows and evolves. I know I have a lot yeah. of full moon friends that were excited when I told them that you were coming on the show. Oh, yay. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait to see like how your business um, evolves, too. I'm, I'm excited for you, too. I love the whole um, your energy um, and, and how you like work with people and stuff. I just I feel that on a deep level. And I wish that I was closer and not on like the other side of, of the world from you. It seems Where like are you way. located at? I'm in Pennsylvania. So you're kind of like I mean, it, I mean, you're not like literally on the other side of the world, right? But I mean, we do have we do have some travel coming up in the next couple of years, so you never know. There might just be like a facility that we're touring near you, or you can recommend a place yeah. that we can go tour. Um, we have a lot of documentary formats that we're gonna do later on. Right now, we're really just. We're bringing people in, we're hosting safe spaces for, you know, people like you and me that do have like their businesses that they're working on that are truly their purpose. And then we have other people who, you know, they're really doing their thing, but they have something to say. And, you know, we're not necessarily promoting any businesses or anything, but they're like, hey, I wanna tell my story and I feel safe enough to tell it with you. And that is, I mean, that's an honor for me. I always want to be a safe space. I can't guarantee that I always will based on my own work. So those are my own boundaries to be like, I actually need to focus on myself right now. Um, I'm not I'm not what you need me to be for you right now. And that's been really big for me. So I don't overexert my energies on somebody else because, you know, it's airplane rules. You got to put your mask on first. Boundaries are important. And yeah, so that's what I... That's what I tell people all the time. Um, just because you told people somebody no doesn't make you a bad person. It's okay. It's okay to tell. It's okay to say no. Mm-hmm. It's okay to hold that protective space for you. That is okay. You're not being selfish. You know, you're doing what's right for you, and that's okay. It's very true. Well, I picked a song, and I told you after we got done that I'd tell you why I picked it, but I picked another Neovi track off of his um, album, Horizon. It's called Chase Pop, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to play it for you guys. Stephanie, I want to thank you so much again for coming on the show. If you would like to purchase one of her Conjuring Moon boxes, don't you worry. I'll have the link down below so you can just scroll down and click, click, click to get what you want. So um, I look forward to having you back, and I really hope you enjoy the This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.